It's Tennessee Titans Talk. The podcast you're about to listen to has tons of great information about the Titans' upcoming free agent decisions and decisions that have to be made throughout the NFL. But we recorded the podcast on Saturday, March 14th. As you know, Brian Tannehill signed a deal with the Titans, a four-year extension. Landon, how did it hit you today? Well, it was a bit surprising because I expected it to happen around sometime tomorrow evening because that's the deadline for the franchise tag. And I could have seen us it going to the very end with us using the tag as leverage for him to eventually sign. But with the deal we gave, I think it's fair on both sides. It's four years. It maxes out at $118 million, so 29 and a half a year, $20 million in signing bonus, $91 million guaranteed. At the time that he signed it today, his deal will account for about 15% of the cap. To put that in perspective, last year, Carson Wentz's massive extension was 17% of the cap, and with the extra playoff games and Week 17 game that's going to be ratified in the coming seasons, the cap is going to spike even more. So this deal looks really good for us because already it's not a massive deal. Most of the time when the quarterback like Ryan Tannehill gets a new contract, it's the top or near the top. He's going to be the seventh highest paid quarterback in the market, and there's some guys on rookie deals are going to be extended. With the cap spike and with how it's kind of front-loaded, I think this is a really good deal for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it's interesting when you see $29.5 million a year and and think the Titans got a good deal. But as you said, most of the time, a uh, high-performing quarterback, when he signs, the next one to sign is the highest paid. He's, like you said, he's going to be the seventh highest paid quarterback. Even bigger than that, looking at it, unless they did something really unique with the signing bonus, his cap hit is going to be $22.5 million next year. Now, two things, like you said, the timing today and not tomorrow means that they're probably going to try to tag somebody in the next 24 hours. I want to hear what you think about that. And then how significant were we know we knew we said two months ago on this podcast his market value is 28 million dollars to 30 he gets that but they're gonna get you know seven million dollar reprieve to sign somebody else tell me kind of how significant that is and what specifically they're looking for it'll be either henry or conklin conklin is expected to get a massive deal and if we're trying to run it back just try and repeat the success we have but give Tannehill a full offseason to get even more comfortable and let aj brown develop even more i can see where they would be going with that where they just keep conklin on one year deal run it back but don't invest long-term cap hits or they could franchise Henry and adhere to the philosophy that you don't pay running backs a second contract and you just we just write him again we give him the most rushing attempts in the NFL and we just we just wear out those tires and then we just let him walk next season and within that seven million it's really interesting because we've talked off air that Logan Ryan's going to be getting around 10 million a year that he's that kind of player he's that kind of cornerback and seven million that would be most of his contract if we're trying to bring him back. And even though we have Malcolm Butler or Dory Jackson who are going to be expensive, we saw how dynamic that trio could be and how lockdown potential it could be against opposing wide receiving cores. And if you were able to re-sign Logan Ryan because we backloaded this contract and made this defense just a bit better, then I can see why J-Rob is doing what he's doing. Now, when you listen to the rest of this podcast, you're going to hear Landon and I guess that Tom Brady was going to be a Titan. I know that sounds crazy, but the more we didn't hear something, I thought they would get this deal done at the end. I think they took their time, and I think they know how every domino is going to fall. You've said for years now that you think all this stuff is in the bag. That's why at 12.01, people start signing deals and doing all this. I think of the haze in the barn. What you think happened with the Brady stuff and what the the catalyst of the decision to stick with Tannehill overtaking a guy that we both think wanted to come to Nashville? Well, I think physically Tannehill is probably better in every way he's infinitely a better athlete, a better runner. We saw that on rollouts and even design scrambles or read options. 
Tom Brady's not doing that, and that gave us an extra element with Derrick Henry that opened up the offense. The only thing Tom Brady has on Ryan Tannehill is mental, and that's a big part of being a quarterback. But if if Tom Brady isn't going to be as good as Ryan Tannehill was last year until the playoffs, I can see why we were a bit apprehensive. I also believe that they believed in Ryan Tannehill that this just wasn't a fluke, or he played out of his mind in the contract year just to get paid, that he's actually this good. And at that point, you're getting a guy who's 10 years younger, healthier, better every way physically, knows the offense, fits the offense better and they really just use Brady as leverage to say hey you're not our only hope we have the greatest quarterback ever waiting in the wings so you're not going to bend us over the barrel you're not going to force our hand so immediately after hearing this news uh, the big fella who couldn't be with us tonight but is on the rest of this podcast and is in perfect big fella form he's uh he's off babysitting Philip Rivers kids tonight I think but he couldn't be with us but he texted us and said he expects Derrick Henry within the next few hours to sign extension I still in the pit of my stomach wonder if Derrick Henry and his representation just has an astronomical figure that they can't meet. You mentioned the franchise tag for Henry. I don't know that he would play. Not only would he not come in, I don't know that he would play next year for the Titans. Does this change how you feel about Derrick Henry, the signing of Tannehill a day before the franchise deadline? Well, I just think it makes Henry a much more, he's just got a bigger target on his back for the franchise tag because there's one less important player that can get it. And with Henry, I really don't know. I thought when we talked during the season, when he went on that run at the end of the season, every week we were we were saying I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an extension sometime next week he's the offense he's being so great but it's been what five months since he started having this run and there's still nothing so but then at the same time this Ryan Tannehill contract it didn't just appear out of nowhere over the last couple days they've been working on it all offseason I believe in J-Rob that they've been working with Henry's representation they're just trying to iron out the details Henry is going to get a top five running back contract but it just might not be number one so my understanding about the Tannehill contract is we always have to talk about this because these are not fully guaranteed the third year is guaranteed for injury that's going to be something we see in future big time nfl contracts but that aside this is essentially a two-year guaranteed deal now there's a 20 million dollar signing bonus so they would have a five million dollar cap hit regardless the next four years but essentially 2.2 years of this is guaranteed they're going to take that 20 million dollars up front give that to them and then 20 and 21 are guaranteed uh, 22 would be guaranteed into the league year next year. When you think of it like that, they're not really going to be if it just doesn't work out. I know we have a few fans that think, well, what if he comes back down to earth? What if, you know, he kind of regresses to the mean or looks more like he did in Miami? Yeah, I mean, they still have a big investment in him, but this is not, at least if it just falls off the rails next year and hopefully he's not injured, he would have to be injured for two years for that to come up. If he just falls off next year, they do have a bit of a parachute in this, right? Oh, absolutely. It's interesting that you brought up 2022 because yes, 29 million of the 34 million is guaranteed if he's injured, but it's also going to be fully guaranteed on the fifth day of the 2021 league year. So two years from now, five days into the off season, his, co- his cap hit for the next year is already going to be guaranteed. So we have a bit of a window where if it's a Nick Foles or Blake Bortles contract where he's just terrible, which I doubt he will be. And it's obvious that the contract will be an albatross. We could cut him or just, we, cannot guarantee 
his 2022 money before the 2021 league year. And then it's just a two-year deal with about $50 million in guaranteed and $60 million against the cap. This is just a great contract structure by J-Rob where if he's going to fall back to earth, if he's not going to be that good, it's going to be immediate. He's not going to keep being good for a bit, then fall off at the end of the contract. It's going to happen right away, he thinks. So if it's going to happen right away, we build in a little, we build in a back door where if, if it's year one, he's a problem. We can get out with minimal fallback. Although he signed this huge deal, he's only going to count $22.5 million against the cap next year. Is that $7.5 million extra over his quote-unquote market? Is that really going to be for finding the extra money for a big-time edge rusher, whether we trade for him or we get him in free agency this week? Or is that more to try to get Conklin back on this team next year? Because there was a strategy there to do that because obviously that would that's going to cause some, if he does well in 22 and 23, he'd count $30 million against the cap. So they did that for a reason for somebody right now. Who do you think that that was more about? I think it's more so for an edge rusher because even though Conklin was J-Rob's first ever draft pick, he's believed in them. He hasn't always stayed healthy and I think he's above average. And if he's going to get the deal that we think he's going to get in free agency, it would be irresponsible for him to take up that much cap room when we're going to have to start paying several other guys on this team. I think it's just Jadevian Clowney, maybe Shaq Barry if he somehow hit the market. Just one of these big time pass rushers we're going to take a swing on because that's all this defense is really missing. We've got the interior defensive line, the off-ball linebackers, and a great secondary. But you need a pass rusher if you're going to win in the playoffs. And you have to pay in free agency big time to get a pass rusher. And $7 million, that's probably a third of what a big-time pass rusher wants, but it's an extra third we wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be enough to maybe get us there. We've made some true decisions already, and I think a, a host of things is about to go down. It's going to be just a super interesting week. On this podcast, you're going to hear Landon and I say that we think Tom Brady is going to come to Nashville. We know he's not now. Going to go to Tampa Bay, try to light it up with Bruce Arians and Mike Evans, or he's going to go back to New England. I still think that. What do you think? How does this change for Tom Brady? I think this pushes him a bit more towards Tampa Bay because if he goes back to New England, he said he's not going to take a massive discount. They're going to be against the cap and they're still going to have to make some tough decisions on several key defensive playmakers. Obviously, Bill Belichick can make any defense great. They're going to have to bring back some guys. So they're going to have minimal cap room to bring in weapons that he desperately needs. They don't have a second rounder that that they traded for Mohamed Sanu. Then you look at Tampa Bay. All it's missing is an offensive line. The defense really stepped up, became, I would say, a top half in the NFL in the in the last couple weeks. They've got great weapons at every position outside of running back. It's just the offensive line needs help. They have a bunch of money. They have several early picks. And that's something Tom Brady himself can easily help fix because his quick release, his pocket mobility, his just knowledge of the game, he can cover up some of the deficiencies of poor offensive line play. We had to get on with you. We had to amend this and give you our thoughts on Tannehill. Uh, it's exciting time. I think we had to make a decision. They're happy with Tannehill. It's going to allow us to be active this week. I don't think it was a fluke. It was eight games, and I think we just need him to be healthy and strong, assertive like he has been. I don't think we need him to be you know, the second coming of, of Tom Brady. And uh, I think ultimately they just couldn't stomach abandoning a core group of folks who got them a half from a Super Bowl. So hope you guys enjoy this episode we cover a lot of ground and a lot of players we're super excited we'll be back with you of course really soon we'll talk about what actually happened tighten up tighten up it's tennessee Titans talk 
and we're back for a free agency primer. Everyone knows what this world and our country's going through right now. Our thoughts and prayers are with everybody as we hunker down and we try to slow this uh, viral attack down. And so I just hope everybody uh, has everything they need and is feeling well. We're not going to talk a whole lot about that. But if you listen to this podcast, you're obviously a genius. So we know you guys are all figuring things out. Boys, this is another Christmas Eve for us. We're really excited. I love free agency, but this is unique, even for most years, as the top domino is Tom Brady, just because what he's meant to the league and what he might still have in the tank and our upcoming free agents. There's so many decisions for the Titans to make. This makes this land in the most important free agency in the Titans history. Oh, absolutely, because we were at the brink and we have a chance to go even farther than we did last year. Like you said, we have a chance to bring in the GOAT, the greatest quarterback ever to Nashville like five years ago did you ever think Tom Brady would want to come play for the Titans of course not we were terrible. I didn't think he knew where Nashville was in five years ago <laughs> we put ourselves on the map and we're in prime position to sustain the level of excellence that we showed in the playoffs John, I, I know every year of free agency is your favorite that year. I know you're a kid in a candy store. Well, literally, you might be in a candy store somewhere uh, stocking up. But speaking of candy, it's just it's seismic. And it? it's just a really big deal. The next couple of days is going to just decide the near, maybe long term future of this team. Yeah, without a doubt. We are in a very interesting spot. And, you know, history will tell us, you know, the window isn't open forever. A lot of teams that get close to the Super Bowl usually have a really short window, a couple year period where they can do it again. So we got really close. So now's our time to load up and push ourselves over the over the limit. You know, obviously Patriots excluded. But yeah, I think now's our time to strike while the iron's hot. We've got to capitalize on some really good free agents and we have to supplement our roster probably better than we ever have. And I think we are in a position to do that. Obviously cap and, you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit. We're a little strapped money wise with some pretty high dollar positions, but I think we have the ability to draft to fill some spots. We have the ability to sign some premier free agents and kind of keep some big names in-house. When this blows over, we're going to have to depend on some draft picks because we're not going to be able to sign everybody or meet every need. Landon, he's right. I don't know that we're cash-strapped, but we got some really expensive decisions, and we are going to load up. We are win now, but there's a lot of decisions Landon, tell us who in the league right now to this point has been franchised. That opened last week, the availability for that. And the deadline, I believe, is Monday. Who has al- already been franchised to this point? Justin Simmons, the Broncos safety. Hunter Henry, the Chargers tight ends. Yannick Ngakwe, the Jaguars defensive end who's likely to be traded. And Matthew Judon, the Ravens edge rusher. And then Brandon Scherf, about half an hour ago, was franchised by the Redskins, their guard. John, did any of those surprise you? Not a single one of them. Those guys were going to be tagged. I think the the most obvious was Yannick Ngakwe. You know, he kind of wants out. The Jaguars want him there, and he's too good to let just leave. So just because these guys are franchised doesn't mean they won't get traded here soon. So I think he's probably one of the easiest ones to pick as a franchise player. Again, doesn't mean that they'll be there for long term. Landon, is there anybody that you expected to be franchised that hasn't as of yet? I don't think so. I think it's interesting that we haven't given out our franchise tag decision yet. So maybe we're still trying to work with Tannehill or Henry to try and get deals done to keep our open availability because I think if we could franchise Conklin and try and use him as a trade asset that would be great but obviously if we can't get a deal done with two of our superstars you have to franchise them and it's just that they're both equally important and they're both equally deserving of the franchise tag so it might just come down to who gets their contract signed first john i think it's a dominoes thing i think we're gonna use that possibly likely 
But depending on what we decide, and we'll talk about this later between Brady and Tannehill, we're going to franchise Tannehill. If we need to, we're going to franchise Derrick Henry, maybe franchise Jack Conklin. But I think we're going to wait to the very last minute or until that first domino falls, right? Yeah, I think so too. And you know, the, the reason why we would wait to the last minute is kind of a good problem to be faced with because we want Henry and Tannehill in Nashville next year and they both want to be here. So the reason we would use it is if we can't come to a long-term deal yet with one of those two guys. So the hope is we use the, the franchise tag and they don't take it personally and kind of understand the, the kind of thing we're trying to build here. What I do get worried about is if you franchise tag somebody who might be more more deserving of a contract. So I would feel a lot better if we franchised Tannehill versus Derrick Henry because I think Derrick Henry over the past few years has earned that next contract. And I think franchising him, I don't want to say slap in the face because it's a lot of money that we would pay, we would be paying him. But, you know, there's a possibility he could hold out. You know, it, it well, just, we've talked before, big fellow, that right. he would hold out, I'm sure. And he would be mad, whereas Tannehill is in a different position. First of all, his franchise number would be double what it is, and he's already made a lot of money. So, absolutely. I think the decisions have been made in principle, maybe not exactly with the players, but what the team wants to do. Obviously, I think at this point, you know, it's been fluid, but right now they know. I just think they wait until the last minute because they have that time. And you've seen our front office the last few years be shrewd, and they're just going to take the time because they have it, because anything can happen. Wouldn't you agree, Landon? Yeah, I would agree, especially because we still have a couple days. Anything can happen. And with these two guys, it's just, with these two guys, we obviously want them back. They were both top five at their position last year, and it's a great position to be in, having to decide, man, are we really going to have to pay two, t- two players who are top five at their position? You know what? It's funny. Well, I don't, Landon, I don't know if you mentioned him um, as one of the people being tagged, but AJ Green being tagged is a little surprising to me. Obviously, he's a great talent, but I think the thing that's more surprising to me is that apparently that was a directive by Joe Burrow. So if they take him, that, that he wanted AJ Green to be around. So I think that's a little unprecedented for me about tagging somebody like that. That surprised me a lot too, big fella. And Landon has an interesting take on that because I, I didn't know how smart that was, but Landon makes a pretty good defense for that. All right. So the Bengals don't bring in a lot of outside guys there. Notoriously cheap. They don't even, they don't even often keep their own guys. They let Zeitler and Whitworth walk a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago and they destroyed their offensive line. Both those guys were all pro level offensive linemen. They have so much cap room. They might not even spend it. So yeah, franchising AJ Green for 15, 18 million is a way overpay for what he is. But if it's, to, if it helps out their young franchise quarterback, if it's what he wants, they're not going to be using the cap room for other things. Then it's a very negligible impact on the future because you're helping out the quarterback. You're giving a dependable weapon, assuming AJ Green stays healthy, which is a massive if, and you're not jeopardizing your cap room long term. Well, think of it like this. If we weren't contenders for big time free agents, if we weren't win now, we wouldn't have cut Delaney Walker. AJ Green is their Delaney Walker. But I think of it like that. Landon lays it out well. They gave him the money. They're not going to be in the Super Bowl next year. Even more importantly, they're not going to spend all their cap money. So, And they've really got nobody else to franchise. So from that standpoint, maybe building blocks for the future, it makes sense. Speaking of Delaney Walker, six weeks ago on this podcast, we laid out to you guys who we thought was going to be cut. We haven't done a lot of cuts. We don't have any dead cap space because we haven't brought on a lot of bad contracts. And everybody we cut wasn't necessarily a bad contract, but... 
since we we're going to really be aggressive this offseason, we got a lot of guys to bring back. It was just obvious that Cam Wake wasn't coming back, that Delaney Walker wasn't going to come back, that Ryan Suckup wasn't going to come back, that Deion Lewis wasn't going to come back. So we've already said our goodbyes to those guys, and I know everybody listening kind of wants to move forward. Uh, because you listen to us, you know you've, you've known those are coming. But do either of you guys have anything to say about who got cut this week? Like we mentioned, these are all kind of no-brainers. They clear us up to sign some more uh, important players. We're very appreciative and thankful for what some of these guys have done. It's, you know, there aren't enough words to thank Delaney Walker and Ryan Suckup for how solid they've been over the last few years. So very appreciative of their efforts. But they're aging players who have been on the decline. Same with Cam Wake. We expected him to be a force, and all he did was get us two and a half sacks in the first game of the year. And then we didn't get much else from him. So Deion Lewis, I've talked about that at length through former podcasts. I just never really liked him and I don't think he brought a lot to us. So John Robinson is deciding, here we go. We're ready to to make some moves and not necessarily cut dead weight, but reinvest that money in younger people, younger players, and build this roster the right way. Deion Lewis gets a lot of flack from our fan base and it was a bit disappointing on the field. People need to understand he has extraordinarily high character, works as hard as anybody that was on this team. The respect that the coaching staff had for him to have him out there on third down, it just wasn't the right fit. It's a tough game. He, I'm glad he made money, and I'm glad that we're going to be saving that money. But uh, I, I know that we all know that. But the context of Deion Lewis as a person, I hope no one ever thinks anything less of him. And he was a good turning point two years to where guys wanted to leave a successful team and come to us, not just for the money. He signifies sort of a, a changing of, of culture and changing a mindset from outside this team. Landon? Well, it's really just the end of an era because outside of Brinkley and Kern on special teams and Woodyard as a backup, the only guy left from the years when we were bad is Taylor Lewan. Everyone else came in at the earliest the first time we went 9-7, and seven, the first of four straight years. And it's just crazy because there's a lot of roster turnover. There aren't that many players that last five, six years, but still. This entire makeup of the team has changed. It's changed from a bunch of losers who can never get out of the the bottom five to a team that's perennially in playoff contention it's just it's enjoyable to to understand to know that we're now part of the nfl's competitors but at the same time it's a bit bittersweet because these guys were here when things were bad they always stood by us and now they're gone when the going gets good. I will never forget when we won five games in two years and the talent and effort. There were some bad times going to that stadium and just seeing bad football and just see the effort from Delaney Walker. And uh, this guy was catching 90 balls when we had who knows what at quarterback. What would he be on this team? And he doesn't get to pick that, and he doesn't complain about that. So I just think he's he'll go down in one of the best players in our franchise's history, and I'm just really appreciative of him because I think he's part of that change of culture. Jarrell Casey was the other guy on those teams that never gave up, never quit playing. So the impact has been made. We wish him the best. Hopefully we'll see him in some kind of capacity with this team and still in this community. What we're going to do now is we're going to go through each of our impending free agents. Landon and John are going to give us their pick. Are they staying? Are they going? Just get a feel for what to expect. Heart of hearts, gut feeling in just a couple of days. First up, guys, heart of hearts and why? We'll start with you, John. Jack Conklin. Conklin staying. We find a way to keep him here. He's too big a, of a piece to, to let walk out of the door. That's just my gut feeling and belief. Basically, if you have a prediction about that, that means you think other things are going to fall another way. And, and I look forward to seeing kind of what you think about some of the other guys, because what it's going to take to keep him is going to be significant. And it's going to mean some dominoes are going to fall. 
a month ago and before, I would have said, there's no way. But when you think about, yeah, he's going to get a lot of money, depending on who comes here and who's doing what, he's not going to be easily replaced. So we could pony up. And better than that, I think our front office could convince him, hey, $20 million is something absurd because there's so many tackle needy teams. So many, there's going to be five or six tackles uh, pitching the first round next month. I just think we might convince him, hey, cost of living, you're comfortable here. You were really good in the second half of the season. They could they could talk him in uh, to coming in at a lower number, but still a, a very big commitment from us. My gut feeling, it's tough, but I, I think Jack walks on Monday and sort of takes the money from a surprise team like uh, Tampa Bay or in Arizona. I don't think it's going to be the Jets or the Browns because I think what they can throw at him and, and the lack of trust of, of those front offices, I think he does look for another pasture and more money, but I think it might be a surprise team. So unfortunately, uh, I think Jack moves on. Landon, what do you think? He'll be gone. He's the premier offensive tackle in this free agency class. He's the second best lineman behind Joe Tooney. There's too many teams that need good linemen. Unless we somehow come to a conclusion with Henry and Tannehill, we won't be able to franchise tag him. And at that point, we have no way of keeping him. And he's not going to stay for our lesser offers because like you said, there's so many teams with so much cap room that they could give him an offer that's fine for them. But for us, with us trying to compete with us trying to keep together our offensive core and get a defensive playmaker, it's just not viable. Now maybe we figure out Henry and Tannehill ahead of time and we can tag Conklin. Maybe he comes back for one year or we use them as a trade ship to get a little something back in return from a team that wants to sign them. I think he might take a, a bit of a discount if his only options were the Jets or the Browns, but I think he'll have a lot of options because CBA and just the way teams behave now, there's just a lot of money out there and somebody's just going to give him the farm that's still a team that has a good future and is a good place to live. All right, next up, Heart of Hearts, Derek Henry. I think he's probably the easiest one for me to predict. He's here, and I think he will stay here because of his involvement in our offense and what he's meant to this organization and this community. And I think we will avoid the franchise tag route and we will get something worked out with Derrick Henry. I, If I'm being bold, I expect I expect expect an announcement to come out today or tomorrow for Derrick Henry that we've agreed to a long-term deal with him and he's staying in Nashville. I agree with John. I think he'll be back. He's just too valuable to this offense no matter who's our quarterback, no matter who our offensive line is. He was just dominant all year. He was injured and missed two games. He had an injury and missed and was ineffective for two games. Then he had six games under an ineffective offense under Mariota and he still led the NFL in rushing and he still just dominated the entire playoffs. And I don't see how he let him walk as much as precedent says you can't pay a running back a second contract. Guys, I don't think this is a slam dunk that we always thought it was. Uh, it just certainly seemed like since our offense is built around him, we could do it. This is a front office that three years ago went from not having really anybody back there that could run to trading for DeMarco Murray, getting a really good deal, just like they did with Tannehill. Don't doubt that they might make something happen. And then drafting Henry. I, I think there's a part of me that thinks if he's just being just if his agent is just insisting on something outside of a market value for a running back, I think they could be bold. It, it sounds crazy, just as many jerseys as he sold, as great of a season as he's had. But there is a possibility that they look at, at drafting a guy and find trading for a guy, and there are some guys out there. 
that are available as running backs, that would allow them to keep a Conklin. That would allow them to keep other guys and make that home run swing for a pass rusher. I don't think this is a slam dunk. I think they could get bold. This is a bold front office. This is also a front office that has brought back every key free agent to be since Robinson's been here. They, he hasn't got cute on anybody. He brought back Lawan. He brought back um, Gerald Casey. He re-signed obviously Delaney Walker, uh, to that two-year contract. So you kind of look at it both ways, but I, I would just tell our fans to, I, I wouldn't necessarily um, put the hay in the barn yet, but it just seems like he's that pivotal piece for us. Our guest, uh, Logan Ryan. John? I think Logan Ryan will walk. As great as he played for us, we've got a lot of decisions tied up in cornerbacks as far as Malcolm Butler's current contract, Adoree Jackson's fifth-year option, and a potential long-term deal for him. I just see us letting him walk and kind of developing that position further through the draft, so he becomes a little bit expendable. Don't get me wrong, I, he was probably one of my favorite bright spots of the 2019 season, and I thought just the way he played was incredible, and he was a great leader to our team, and he was great in the community, and I would love to have him back. But I just, I, I feel like the organization's ready to let him walk. He had his best year last year. He was such a balanced, terrific player. I wouldn't surprise me if he comes back. He played. His value was a $10 million player last year. He's going to want that. And for guaranteed for two years. And I think we would give it to him if we weren't up against so many other decisions. I tend to agree with you. I think, obviously, I heard I heard some folks in our fan base and in our local media talking about they thought that they might cut Malcolm Butler and keep Ryan. But that's far-fetched because Butler is just owed so much money. Unfortunately, this is one of those guys, we haven't had this problem in our franchise a lot, a guy you'd really like to keep back that you just can't afford yeah i think you'll walk to between a quarterback assuming henry and a big time pass rusher we just don't really have the cap room to also keep ryan and maintain cap flexibility long term which is what we have to keep in mind we can't we're gonna go all in as much as we can but we can't go absolutely on we can't be like the vikings and steelers this year where we have no cap room we're cutting decent players because we just have to make cap room just to simply operate we can't back ourselves into that corner that's true we don't want to be the vikings or the Saints, but I don't think it's a slam dunk, uh, but I, I do think he walks. Also, there's a lot of teams that need a good corner. Uh, there's a lot of teams that try to do the scheme that, that we do, and so I think you'll get his $10 million, and I think you'll get it somewhere else. You look at Jones from Dallas, he's going to be probably made the highest paid corner in football, and he's not the best corner in football, and so you, there's going to be money for Ryan. In your gut feeling, what do you think Marcus Mariota is going to wind up? I'll um, – I'll add to that question by asking, where, where do you want him to end up? Of course, we're going to start with you, John. Oh, of course. Love you, Marcus. I think his best spot for success is going to actually be the Chargers. And I think that's one of the few spots that Marcus can actually walk in and still have a starting role. So I think he's going to end up in in Los Angeles with the Chargers. I think it's going to be a good fit for him offensively, especially if they bring back Melvin Gordon. Um, I think he'll have a good tight end and and Hunter Henry to throw to. He'll have Keenan Allen out there. They have a decent offensive line. He'll be closer to his family. I think it's the spot that makes the most sense. I think if he ends up being a starter, he will not cost the Chargers a kajillion dollars like Tannehill might cost us, but I think that's where I, I really see him going. I was actually thinking of a different AFC West team, the Las Vegas Raiders. There's been reports recently the recently that they're going to look and see if they can move Derek Carr to a team like the Bears who would want him, so it's obvious that they're not content with their quarterback situation. If they were, why would they be trying to get trade offers for him? 
I believe Gruden and Mayock want to draft their own guy, especially in this draft where we're sitting at 12. They can probably get one of the big four prospects without moving. Mariota, he's a West Coast guy. That's Gruden's offensive philosophy. Gruden loved him coming out of the draft. He's not irreparable. He fits what they did last year on offense, and he's going to be really cheap. So I think he'll go the West Coast just to the Raiders. I think it's hard to predict because so many dominoes fall on these quarterbacks, but that's the team I had mine too. Even if Carr comes back, I could see it being like our situation last year where Mariota gets healthy, goes to a place to be a good fit for him, and just waits for his opportunity because Derek Carr's attitude was not good down the stretch. You could tell that's not a marriage that's going to last forever. I know they're shopping it around, but if they don't get a good deal for Carr or something or really a, somebody else, I don't think they're going to go for it. They want a good young guy. Mariota's going to get backup money, but still, in this day and age, that's $5 million plus, and I, I think he could go any number of places. Uh, these musical chairs are going to start, and then they're going to stop. There's going to be a lot more chairs than quarterbacks, so you'll see uh, Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, those guys sort of take what's left. I hope it's a great situation, and I would be intrigued to see him out west and uh, see him with Gruden. And I want to see him healthy. I want to see his arm live again, and I want to see him do really well. Guys, any chance we bring back Woodyard? I don't really think so. Evans and Brown have supplanted him. He's only going to be a backup. He's a great veteran. He's a great team leader, but you could definitely tell in the season. Every other off-ball linebacker we had was more athletic than them. Even David Long, a seventh-round rookie, showed more ability in space than Woodard. He's a great leader, but I think at this point you have to think logically over emotionally, and I think we don't bring him back. John, what do you think about Dennis Kelly? He was played like a million-and-a-half-dollar player. He knows the system, be a really good third tackle. The big question is, is somebody just going to talk themselves into him and give him four or five million dollars that we can't really give him. Do you think we see him in two-tone blue in 2020? I think he'll be an interesting one because really his market value is, you know, he's waiting on another domino because of what we do with Conklin. I think he could end up back here in Nashville, but I think he can probably go somewhere else and start. So he'll be a really interesting one to peg. And I I really don't know. My gut tends to think he'll be back here. But then again, if we pay Conklin $15 million and don't have a lot more money to spend on the offensive line he's going to just be a cap casualty i think that's well said the guys that play these premium positions even as a backup it all comes down to whatever our offer is is someone going to double his salary i mean if he gets some minor amount more he's like well i'll stay here my kids are in school here he seems like a like a brilliant family man but a double salary is a double salary right so i think it all depends on yeah the dominoes as they fall on our team but also if some of these teams that are just how they are are like they panic and they're like, well, we'll bring this guy into camp and we have the $6 million or whatever. It's like, well, they'll force his hand. That's why I look at, at Kelly because he just seems like a really good fit with our organization and our scheme. Tajay Sharp, we feel like he's going to move on. We were talking about that before the show. He, you know, I think he's been gutsy for us and hung around. He never kind of returned to the production of his rookie season, but I admire his effort and I really liked him as a fourth receiver this year because he he was pretty reliable. Where do y'all see him next year and what, I think more interesting, what kind of role do you see him on his next team if in fact he doesn't uh, return to Nashville. We'll start with you, Landon. I expect him to be wide receiver three, a possession guy, not necessarily a slot receiver, but someone whose quarterback trusts him to make the difficult catch on third downs, which is what we have Humphreys for, so he's he's unnecessary in our offense. But Sharp, even though we didn't throw him to him much, he was always consistent. It seemed like he had few drops. 
outside of the London game last year. And I would expect him, I would say he would try to go to New Orleans because Drew Brees is coming back. He's got Michael Thomas on the other side to take attention off him. They have absolutely no one behind Michael Thomas. He could end up being their wide receiver too, and they probably wouldn't want that to happen, but he could step in and be a starter on one of the best offenses in football just by being a decent player. And for him, he's always been a fringe starter. He's never made a bunch of money. If he can go somewhere and be a starter and play in a great offense, put up some numbers, he'd be stupid not to go there. Yeah, he's just made big fella money to this point. Yeah, I know he wants to go somewhere and, and make some kind of, you know, loan. He wants the cheese. He wants it. I don't blame him. Uh, wish him the best of luck. We're leaving out one guy. We're going to talk about Ryan Tannehill, but he He's a good segue to our other segment, which is going to be just NFL free agents and where we think they're going to go. Here's my thoughts, guys. We've heard Tom Brady talk. We talked about it literally at the beginning of the 2019 season that, you know, he could get bold. He could do that. He set up his contract where they couldn't franchise him. We talk about Tom Brady picking us. And yes, he still had an impressive season at his age with, you know, not a great offense around him. I think he still has a couple of years in him. The thing about a guy that age, his next injury is his last injury. And that's tough to think about. And obviously we didn't expect to have Ryan Tannehill and have a decision about him, pay him big money. A lot has changed since the beginning of the season. I think Tom Brady wants to come here. I think he, you know, has the ego where he wants to do something without Belichick. I think there's some stuff we don't know about that sort of fracture that relationship. And maybe it's not even a lot of drama. Maybe he just wants to go try it. I think before Peyton Manning was forced to pick a new team and went to Denver and then went to two Super Bowls in four years. I think the only real historical context was Montana going is kind of an aging guy when really he got the boot for Steve Young. And we we don't see that as successful. But the next year, Kansas City was a contender and they, they were in the second round of the playoffs. I, I think Tom Brady wants to go and be successful. And I think Peyton Manning made a really good decision with Denver, although Denver wasn't this obvious team or a juggernaut. He fit well. And uh, he liked he was running the team. He liked the young talent. I think Brady, that's given him the gut to think, hey, I'm going to make a move here. I think we are his first pick. I don't think it's Brady picking us. I think we have a decision to make in our front office. Are we going to bring back Ryan Tannehill? We can franchise him and he would come to camp and he would be fine with that. Or we could franchise and try to get a long-term deal. Or we could just sign him to a long-term deal. The A game speaks for itself. There's risk with both these guys, right? Ryan Tannehill does not have a decade of solid play. And obviously right. Brady does, but he, you know, he's in his early 40s. So I'm going to have you guys make the decision. We'll start with you, John. Tannehill or Brady if you're the front office? Because I think that's the choice that they have. You know, before I make my decision, I just want to kind of talk a little bit about the Brady stuff and what I really think about how it's all kind of transpired. I think at first, Brady was calling the bluff of the Patriots and the Patriots are calling the bluff of Brady. I think now it's become a realistic possibility, like you mentioned, that he goes elsewhere. And I think the fact that Brady is now kind of dictating terms to the teams out there who are interested about how he wants to call in the offense, he wants to say in the personnel, kind of that stuff. I think it shows you his cards a little bit that he expects to be somewhere else. I think you're dead on. I don't think it started as that, but I think it, I think that's the way it is now. And I think those kind of things coming out really show that this is more real than it's ever been and obviously who wouldn't want Tom Brady even AJ Brown said it earlier this week he said yeah who wouldn't want AJ who wouldn't want Tom Brady throwing the ball to them because he's the greatest of all time as much as we may not like him for being a patriot or whatever you want to do, whatever your reasoning is it's pretty hard to argue that he's not the greatest of all time as far as quarterbacks go or even football players go for that matter if, you, if you're on that bandwagon everybody probably would want Tom Brady thing is kind of figuring out who I want do we want an above average quarterback at the end of his game for two years 
in the same time period, we have to figure out a long-term successor, which even the Patriots have not really been able to do that well. Or do we want Tannehill, who at moments is above is an above-average quarterback? Do we want him for four years, and then we can kick that can a little further down the road? Because I don't think, regardless of what we do, if we keep Tannehill, I am not saying he's going to be here for a four-year contract and then get another contract and retire a Titan. That's kind of too hard to predict. But it's how far we want to kick the can down the road for the long-term successor after either Brady or Tannehill? I don't think they really care that much about anything beyond two years from now. I think they do and they plan. This is about who is going to give them the best chance to win over the next two years. So, John, give me your prediction of what they're going to do. I think they're going to lock up Henry real quick, and then they're going to take a deep breath. They're going to offer Tom Brady a deal. They're going to say, hey, Tom, come here for 18. He says no, then they lock up Tannehill. I think that's how the dominoes are going to fall. What I think is going to happen, the Tom Brady thing, it just seems too wild for him to come here. And maybe that's me being a you know cynical Titans fan, but I think Tannehill is going to end up being the guy. I think the roster moves we made over the last two days kind of indicate that we're ready to make some big investments. And I think Tannehill and, De- and Derrick Henry are the biggest investment. So I think Tannehill is going to be our guy. I don't know that it's going to happen or not happen, Landon, because they're going to cheap him out by a few million dollars. I, I, I kind of thought that, that they could leverage. It would be really bold to move on from something that had them a half from a Super Bowl. But I tend to think the more this goes on, I think we're making a move here. I think we may bring Brady in here. I think after review and looking at what he still has in the tank, they want to win a Super Bowl. And they think he has a two-year window. And they don't care about anything else because they feel like they can find that guy then. And if they have to rebuild, they will. I think they are in position to be extraordinarily bold and bring in. They don't care that he's the greatest quarterback of all time, which he is. They care about what he can do the next two seasons. It would be really bold. But I tend to think that we're going to see Brady in Nashville next week. What do you think, Landon? I agree with you. I think Tom Brady is going to be wearing two-tone blue, and it could go terribly wrong. It could go terribly right. Because I think he gives you a better ceiling, a better chance of winning a Super Bowl. And that's what we want right now. We're on the brink. A bunch of our key guys are going to be getting new contracts, are going to be needing new contracts soon. Like we saw with the Jags two years ago. You have your window, you go all in. doesn't matter if you miss the window, because it's so hard to win in your window anyway, you have to just risk it all. I think with Brady, if it's him instead of Tannehill up in Kansas City, once Henry got figured out, I think Brady actually does better than Tannehill did, because once Derrick Henry stopped being an all-world back and we had to have our quarterback carry the load, Ryan Tannehill just couldn't do it. Chiefs defense was great, their home field advantage was great, that if you're going to pay a guy to be your franchise quarterback, you're paying him to win on the road in the playoffs when everything's on the line. And Tom Brady is the ultimate winner, he's the ultimate playoff performer, even though he's really old. I I think he comes to Nashville and everyone's going to lose their minds. Yeah, I think it's going to show. I really honestly think this is the thought in the Brady camp. And you guys tell me what you think about this. I think he's like, you talked about earlier, John, about him dictating turns with themes. I think he likes how we're run. I do think we have a higher chance of seeing him, of seeing Jack Conklin come back with him because I think Brady has the leverage contractually. I don't think he's going to take a huge discount, but he could take $5 million less and that would be what it would take to get Conklin if they think that's smart. But I think it's Tom Brady wants to come here if it can work out. Secondly, I think you would consider Tampa, but if he goes to Tampa Bay, I think he is going to dictate more terms. Maybe Conklin is the same there because they're going to have the money to bring them both. He's going to need some assurances on that offensive line, but I really think he would seriously consider Tampa. And then I think that's the only two 
teams that aren't New England that he would consider. I really do think he's going to see how it falls. And I really think it's Nashville's, I think it's John Robinson and company's decision. And then I think it rolls to Tampa. And then I think it rolls back to New England. I really, really think that. No Las Vegas, no Chargers. He doesn't He doesn't want to go be a punching bag for a year. I, I think he's got three options. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think out of the options, those are the only ones that are on the table. And, you know, both of you made really good points. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just, you know, out of the two, what seems more realistic to me? What do I think will happen? I think the Tannehill thing comes through because I think they kind of like that. But Landon, to your point, I also believe that if if we had Brady under center during that Kansas City Chiefs game, we would be have would we'd be having a different conversation right now. And I think that's what the front office is realizing and what they know. They love Tannehill, but Brady is the guy to get us, get us over that hump. So I could easily see it happening. I mean, I, I could see it happening. I won't say easily because, like you said, there are going to be some hurdles and maybe Conklin is a big card in that, that deal and getting it done. And I think it's really, really interesting. And as, as a football team, it's the ultimate sign of flattery when a guy like Tom Brady wants to come here or even the thought of it. Yeah, so I, I think regardless of what happens, we are, obviously the proof is in the pudding, and you know, we are doing the right things, and we are going the right way, so. I don't think this is an indictment on Ryan Tannehill. I think they would love to have him back. I just think this is a special circumstance. I think people are going to think, oh, they think he's a one-hit wonder. I think he's got a future, and he's shown that as a good to really good quarterback in this league, and I honestly hope he, he does it. I think, I think this is a narrow decision, even if it's Tom Brady. And a lot of people think, oh, he's done, he's old. But if you look, he still had a good season, and they were not a good offense. The more I think about it and the more nothing happens, I, I think we are going to be bold there. But it has nothing to do with Tannehill and his performance and his future. But I just think they are t- analyzed by the two-year window that they have, all the jerseys they'll sell, all the excitement. We would become the center of the NFL universe. We'd be the top story in football if this indeed happens in just, I mean, think about it, guys, two days or so. Guys, let's go lightning round to NFL free agents, and we'll go quickly through some guys because I think a lot of our listeners just kind of want to know, like, where do they think they'll go? And uh, you can give me a choice or if you think it's going to come down to two teams or where you'd like to see them. But let's start with some of the NFL's free agents. I know a lot of these are dominoes that'll fall. But let's start with Drew Brees. Uh, any chance he leaves New Orleans land? No, he's staying. He's already said that money isn't an issue. Everything is set up for him. It's perfect. He's been there pretty much his whole life. So why would he leave? John, what do you think about Philip Rivers? You have a gut on him. Everybody targets him to the Colts or Buccaneers. And I think it's kind of like one of those situations in NBA free agency. Well, it's like, well, let's wait and see where LeBron goes. And then everybody else gets to decide. Tom Brady's like that this year. But where, where do you see Phillip Rivers? I see him in the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think Bruce Arians provides um, Rivers that, that culture where he can rebound as a quarterback. We, even with Winston went down the field a whole lot. Winston threw for 5,000 yards. And we've seen Phillip Rivers do that forever. So he's got a lot of weapons there. He's mobile enough to do with the makeshift off offensive line. Um, I just think that's where he goes. I would say Indianapolis because they've got the cap room. I think their offensive line is a good ways better and that's more important to him since he's older. He's not that mobile. He doesn't want to be battered and being at the end of his career. They don't have a ton of weapons but they have cap room and draft assets where they could quickly fill that need and to him the offensive line is a bigger need than weapons. If Ryan Tannehill isn't a Titan next year, who do you think his top suitors are? Again, that kind of goes to the domino piece. It could be Tampa. It could be Indy. It could be the Chargers. It could could be the Raiders. Um, I think the Raiders would be an interesting spot if he's not a Titan. Landon, do you feel like the Panthers would move on him? With uh, Christian McCaffrey as the bell cow, couldn't they try to do their best 
Titans 2019 impression, I think they would be aggressive and move uh, for Tannehill. Oh, absolutely, because a quarterback is the hardest thing to find, and we don't know how Cam Newton's health is. He could be perfectly fine, he's healed, or it could be like Tom Brady, one hit away, and everything's over, and you're back to square one. And with that rule and Joe Brady, they've got a new contract, there's no rush, but you've got a legitimate, like, you've got a Hall of Fame talent in Christian McCaffrey. He's still cheap. You're probably going to bring him back. You don't want to waste as, you don't want to waste any years of his prime because he gives you the best chance to win right now. And Ryan Tannehill showed you've got a superstar running back that carries the load and takes pressure off him. He'll perform. And Curtis Samuel is a really underrated deep threat. He's, he would have been a better deep threat than A.J. Brown, but his stats aren't that good because Kyle Allen can't throw a deep ball. Ryan Tannehill throws a great deep ball. It's just a perfect fit. It's just that Cam Newton's already there. I think they have Cam Newton as a possibility to have him under contract, but I think if they got a better deal, I think they would jump on it. And I think Tannehill would be a better fit for them, I think, moving forward and what they want to do, as you pointed out with the new coaching staff uh, and ownership. James Winston. Ooh, he's where, a tough where, one. where do we see him next year? That's going to be really. I just think about how this time next week we're going to know where all these guys are, and it's so up in the air right now. I'm just so excited for the for the next week uh, from an NFL free agency standpoint. Well, what happens to, to James? I think James is going to get a Tannehill opportunity, and he's going to end up in Miami because I think he'll want to stay in Florida and he'll go to a team that doesn't necessarily have a quarterback of the future yet. Um, they may draft one, but he'll serve that backup role where he may need to come in and throw and have a game where he throws for 350, 400 yards. Um, but I think his interceptions are the biggest reason why a lot of teams are going to stay away. So w- would you then think that Fitzpatrick doesn't go there, back to Miami? or were they Yeah, I think they're locked in with Fitzpatrick. I think they're going to draft a guy and have the Fitzmagic. I mean... Maybe, maybe they don't draft a guy. Maybe they do Dolphins things and totally skip the quarterback <laughs> this year. And, and they'll be like, Trevor next Lawrence. year, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Justin it could happen. Fields. And yeah. then Winston is their backup. I, you know, it could happen. I think Winston could use some uh, rehabilitation as far as like we've seen guys do go and know they're not going to start, play under a guy, you know, like a really well thought of coaching staff and a really good quarterback. Any chance he'll do that, Landon, or is he going to look to be on the field next year? I think he'll, he's much too prideful i think to do what Tannehill did and accept being a backup and he also hasn't gotten paid like Tannehill. this is first post rookie contract i would think that goes back to tampa bay see if he can't fix some things because yes the reason he's so great and so bad is because he takes risky throws but no amount of risky throws creates 30 interceptions and this lasix eye surgery i don't know if that means anything but there's no way he can as bad as he was last year and he's comfortable there he's got great weapons he perfectly fits bruce arian's vertical passing game and if he can just be average instead of bad, they're a playoff contender. This last guy is, I think, somebody we all rooted for from three years ago, that terrible injury, and just how it seems like he's made team decisions, and he's just he's the opposite of a guy that has an ego. But what do you see Teddy Teddy B's future, Teddy Bridgewater, John? Tell you the truth, I would love to see Teddy Bridgewater make his way back up to Minnesota and kind of finish what he started. Who knows? You know, I mean, obviously, they've, they're kind of locked into Kirk Cousins right now, but that was not a long-term deal. It was a three-year deal, so that window should be opening again where they're either going to recommit to him or they're going to look for something else. So I, I would love to see Teddy get back up there. Well, they have like a million and a half dollars of cap room <laughs> and and Cousins cap it is like $30 million guaranteed this year. So I, I would love that story. Uh, I love the sentiment. But Landon, what do you think, practically speaking, this guy's going to continue his career? Well, I'm not sure if he wants to go to a team like the Chargers where he's got an inside track to starting, but the infrastructure isn't there. He's going to be beaten up. Obviously, he had to devastating injury well he turned down Miami for that reason last year so I think he's gonna look for the right situation don't you I would think so I think Chicago 
Makes sense. Obviously, Mitchell Drabisky's future is up in the air. His play is sporadic at times. And Teddy Bridgewater this season played better than Trubisky did. So I think he goes up there. It's a quarterback competition. He's got a good chance of winning. There's a decent infrastructure around him where he's not going to be completely helpless. And he's just got a chance to reestablish himself. And in Chicago against Trubisky, that's a favorable matchup for him to win. I know he doesn't have a rocket arm or anything. Bruce Arians likes to go down the field. But if they strike out on Brady, I would love to see him with Arians because I like both guys. And I'd like to see him air it out. And I think the thing about Brady and Tampa Bay, that might surprise some people. But, man, could you imagine Mike Evans with Brady? I mean, when they came to town last year, it was just like, wow, if they could really get a guy that could throw to him, they would be pretty much unstoppable on offense. So uh, maybe Teddy B will be the, the benefactor there. Yeah, well, I think it's already been put out there that if the, the Buccaneers do not get Brady, that Bridgewater is their next option. So I, I think that could happen as well. Yeah, I mean, I just think anybody could look and see, like, obviously they'll have to go there because he'd be an excellent fit. So that's our quarterbacks, and that's kind of where things uh, start. Let's talk about other just kind of big time to be free agents and where we think they're going uh, to wind up as our best guess. This is always so fun to do. We didn't mention him, guys, but Dak Prescott, Landon, any chance that we don't see him? I know they would love to make a Tom Brady splash and or do something crazy, but any chance we don't see Dak back in Dallas? Absolutely not, because worst case... They tag him, he's back for one more year, he's upset. But they have complete control over him, and why would they let him go after their offense was so good? Ngakwe, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, John, he was tweeting, see ya. Jacksonville, whatever, and I said, well, they're going to tag him. He doesn't really have total control of that decision. I think he was just letting know what he wants. He may have to be there next year, and since he hasn't made big money, he I don't know if he even is prepared to hold out per se. Like Landon said, they will look to trade him. What's your best get, guess on what colors Yannick Ngakwe is wearing next year? If I had to guess where he would be traded I don't. I, I would. I would like to say here, but I don't see an in-division trade. So maybe somewhere that maybe like the Jets, there might be a spot. They've kind of overhauled their defense a little bit. Maybe the Giants too. Jets or Giants, somewhere in New yeah. York. Yeah, I think I like a desperate team with a lot of money and some draft capital. Guy's good, and, and we just see a precedent for that. Uh, if he wasn't in such demand, I, I think we would give up our 29th overall pick for him. But I think they are looking for more than that, and I think they'll probably get it. Jadavian Clowney. I would think he ends up in Indianapolis. They have so much cap. They're going to try and bounce back. They're going to try and get back in contention. Obviously, they're going with Phillip Rivers. And they and Miami are the two teams where they can absorb his demands and they wouldn't really notice it. And he's he's overrated, but he's a good player. They need better edge talent. It just makes a lot of sense. Well, I'd love it to be us, but I just don't think we can pay him what he's looking for. So I, I kind of agree with Landon. I think maybe Miami would be a spot where they kind of build up this defense and then they know they're not going anywhere next year. So I can see a guy like Brian Flores loving to get some premier talent like that to pair him with their young draft pick. So Christian Wilkins, I mean, kind of build up that defense. I think Miami is going to wait another year and then they're going to throw their hat in the ring. But I, I do think there's a possibility there just because they have that kind of money. I don't know that Javon Clowney is going to be kind of the right flavor for our front office, but I do think part of this, and we've said this before anybody else did, now everyone does it, we're taking a swing on a pass rusher. There is no question. And that's why we got some tough decisions made because we know we have to bring somebody in that has a proven track record or the potential to do so. All right, Lane, I know you like this guy a lot, and I think this is a guy that could end up in Nashville, but we'll see. A bit scary because most of his production came last year, but where do you think Shaquille Barrett ends up? He's going to stay in Tampa Bay. They're likely to tag him. They're going to work out a long-term deal because he was a 
late pick. He hasn't made a bunch of money. Tampa Bay gave him the opportunity. They believed in him, and he produced, and they're willing to pay him. So I think he's going to stay. Now, if he hits the open market, pay him whatever he wants. Bring him in the national. He's a perfect 3-4 outside linebacker. Coming from you, Lennon, I, I buy it, and I would just like us to take that swing. I think a lot of fans still don't know much a lot about him, but that would be exciting, and we're about to find out. I don't know if there's a more sort of polarizing player, maybe not as a person, but as a player on the field, John, than Amari Cooper. What's your prediction for him? Well, he's interesting because he wants to be in Dallas. I think he ends up finding a way to be in Dallas. Let's face it, Dallas has to come to terms with one of those guys, Dak or Cooper, or they're going to tag the other. I think it's more likely that they tag Dak and come to a deal with Cooper. So I think he's staying in Dallas. I think one thing that's going to be really interesting this week is the tight end market. I think for several years, up until the last two seasons, really, we're just a, kind of a higher floor on tight end play. We have not seen a ton of guys just be transcendent, but the four or five best guys have just made a big difference on their team. I think a guy that has a bright future and obviously was heck on wheels last year, Austin Hooper. Somebody's going to pay him a lot of money, Landon. Well, where do you think he winds up? With the release of Greg Olson, I I would think Carolina makes a lot of sense because Cam Newton always likes tight ends. Hooper is a dynamic receiving threat, and he's got some health concerns, but he's the best tight end available. They're not really looking like they're going to be in contention right away so they can afford to pay for a luxury position. He just elevates the offense, and he makes everything a bit better. More so, he just fits their offense a lot. John, is he going to surprise the average NFL fan with what he gets? I think he's going to take top dollar because he hasn't made big money. Do you think he's that's going to turn some heads? I think probably because a lot of people don't know him. Um, I know anybody who's played fantasy football should know him because he had a ton of points last year, a bunch of big games. And I don't think he's a top tight end, but I think he's going to be one of the top guys in free agency this year. And usually we see those guys benefit from these crazy contracts that they wouldn't normally get. I see him, you know, I, I like the Carolina fit. I can see him maybe being a Green Bay fit since they're no longer going to have Jimmy Graham. I think those are two interesting spots for him. Yeah, I think Hooper, I mean, 52 passes in the first eight weeks, he's a really good player, and uh, he's got a bright future 25 years old. Somebody's going to talk themselves into blowing their money on him, and he could be a really good fit. And all these teams we talk about, they want to try to help their quarterback that they drafted and they don't want to get fired over. First step is line, second step is a good tight end, right? Kenyon Drake, boy, he got put on the right team and was awesome. He's going to be a sneaky guy that's going to go to a team to be to be their starter. Do you have some best fits for him? Well, originally when we were talking about Derrick Henry, in the back of my head I was thinking, well, we could ditch Derrick Henry. We could sign both Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake for probably less money than Derrick Henry. (laughs) So it's kind of weird to think of it in that terms. I think he could be a guy that maybe ends up somewhere like Baltimore, where, you know, Ingram's a young guy. They've got some younger guys, but he can kind of be that change of pace back and, you know, eventually become a starter. Landon, Byron Jones is going to surprise a lot of people because, I mean, he's a good player. He's going to get big-time money. Who are the most cornerback needy teams and where do you think he ends up? And John, after that, I want you to tell me about a guy who I am just super interested in, uh, where he's going to end up because I can't visualize the fit, but Melvin Gordon. Well, Philly is in his own tier in terms of cornerback need. It's a wonder they had a pop. It's a wonder they had a winning record with the guys they were trying out there and they've made splashy moves and it's obvious that they really need a guy. And Byron Jones, he's going to be overpaid. He's going to be overrated. But they're the type of team where their position group is so bad, they pretty much have to overpay just to minimize the damage. They were a playoff team, and then they lost wins, all with a bad secondary. And Byron Jones is a fringe Pro Bowl-level player. If you have to overpay him to help reboot your secondary, you do it. So with Melvin Gordon, I think there are a lot of different places he could end up. Um, I think a really interesting place for me would be Philadelphia, because they really lack a number one true running back. 
back. And I think that's one of the pieces that they've been missing since LaShawn McCoy left. So that could be a really interesting spot for him. Are you not a believer in Miles Sanders? Or do you think he's more of a complimentary running back by committee kind of guy more so than a lead guy? Yeah, I think he's more of a complimentary type guy. I do like him. I love my my Penn State product. And, you know, he he's a really good player, but I just don't think he's a true number one running back. I think he'd excel in that spot where he's not counted on to be the guy, but to be the guy in a specific situation. That's just my thought there. Well, two guys would be something. I don't, I, especially as inexpensive as Sanders is for them, but him to Philly, I think, is a good fit. I it just try to figure out where I know he's going to go somewhere, Gordon, and I think he's he's a really good player, but yeah, you know, it's going to be really interesting too. to have that falls at work another spot too could be tampa bay if they're if they get a brady or if they get somebody like that they need a running game i think he could slide in pretty quick and then have ronald jones fill that complimentary piece and they might might be pretty dangerous there that's a really good point do you do you have a kind of a gut feeling on gordon land not really it's just he's gonna go somewhere where he has a chance to start really anywhere that pays him the most money which was what his holdout was i just really don't know because running backs are so devalued and it but it only takes one team and he's a good talented player player but he's kind of isolated himself in the eyes of fans for his holdout i want to hear uh what both of you think about dante fowler we'll start with you landon first of all do you buy dante fowler as a really good above average to top line edge rusher moving forward i know he had a tough time but he's had a tough time in jacksonville he got in a better situation and played really well last year 11 and a half sacks what do you see him as moving forward quality wise and where do you think he ends up and for what i expect him to be here in tennessee i would say in the mid-teens probably the 14 to 16 range which would be covered by all the cuts we made and with fowler he was he was in the wrong scheme in jacksonville he gets traded to la where they run more of a three four he's more of a stand up guy and he explodes he's a lot better he's a lot better he gets tagged he's still really good i just think he's the perfect fit with us and i'm not quite sure if he can be a top tier guy but if he's a consistent pro bowl level threat off the edge that's good enough for our defense because that's really what we need we just need a guy opposite land you can get consistent pressure and dante fowler has shown as a 3-4 edge he's pretty good at that what do you think big fella uh, he's a guy I never really loved. Boy, I loved him last year on, on in L.A. Yeah, I mean, he had 11 and a half sacks, so I mean, he played well, and he played well on a really good team. I think he could go somewhere kind of like a dark horse. I think Atlanta's a funny possibility with them getting rid of Vic Beasley. He could come here. It kind of depends on where he falls in that money piece. So, I mean, for here specifically, I don't think he's the premier edge rusher we're looking for. But if we miss out on those guys, he might be a good kind of second option. They feel a personal favorite of yours. So try to think with your head, not your heart. This guy benefited. This is the tag on him. But, you know, you play how you play with who you play. A lot of people thought he benefited from T.J. Watt. But Bud Dupree had a really big year last year in a contract year. Where do you think he's going to wind up and what, what kind of money is going to take to get Dupree? I know Landon likes him a lot more than you do. I'd probably put him at the same level, if not maybe a little bit lower than Dante Fowler. He's a consolation prize. He's not a he's not a top prize, but he could make a different. He could be a difference maker for a different team. Oh, he would be for us for sure. I could see it. Although I refuse to let any Pittsburgh Steelers in my <laughs> locker room. What do you think, Landon? He's twenty seven years old. He played well. Yeah, he had some help on the other end of the line, but I know you're high on him. If not us, uh, where do you see Bud Dupree in twenty twenty, and what, for what kind of money? I think Miami makes a lot of sense. One. 
They've got the calf room. And two, their pass rush was just absolutely pathetic. I think their best edge rusher had three sacks, and it was Charles Harris, first-round bust from four years ago. So they really need it. They can really pay him. And even if they got another another edge, what's wrong with double-dipping and getting two guys? I did some more digging into Bud Dupree, and I'm lower on him than I was initially. Obviously, the one really good year he had, he was on maybe the best defense in football with a lot of help, and we're not that kind of defense. And two, it was kind of a Vic Beasley situation where he converted an above-average amount of his pressures into sacks where he will inevitably regress to the mean he'll have less sacks and look like a worse player i'm a bit scared off by that just that his best year was a contract year on a really good team our last guy's a guy that's really going to get paid and you know he's earned it he's played well there's a bit of a thought of patriots free agents that they they play better for that team than they do others but uh, this guy's a 27 year old guard joe tooney uh, started all 16 games the last four years second team all pro last year there's so many needy teams on the interior offensive line he's going to get big money right Landon and where do you think he ends up oh absolutely I think well I just mentioned but Miami makes a lot of sense because their offensive line is terrible they're obviously going to bring in their quarterback of the future so they can afford to pay a guard a really high salary and if you get an all pro on that line it, it fixes a lot of issues I would also love him in Cincinnati but I don't know if they're going to open up their pocketbooks to that but that would just be a great benefit to Joe Burrow to have an all pro guard right in front of him I don't think Miami is going to be a big time spender but I think they could hear for exactly what you said. It's like, hey, let's protect this investment, especially if they're lucky enough to get to it. And then the same thing with Cincinnati. Uh, I just think this guy is going to it's going to surprise us the money he gets because he's going to have a lot of suitors. Big fella, last one, Robbie Anderson, Temple grad. Hardworking guy, 27 years old. He's going to look to go somewhere where he can be a little more prolific, I think. Where do you think he ends up? I'll tell you what, as long as he stays clean off the field, he's had off the field issues before then he'll be fine and he can be one of these good receivers that kind of that we see get overpaid well maybe not overpaid but he can be the surprise of free agency and he's a really good deep threat um i think there are a lot of good places where he can go i think indianapolis is an interesting place if they spend on a quarterback like philip rivers i also think somewhere like the like las vegas would be a good fit for him as well to get some deep threat guys this has been Maybe my favorite podcast we've ever done. Everybody get ready to order your number 22 Titan jerseys and hope that that news comes through sooner rather than later. I think all of us will be holding our breaths, waiting to see what we do. And it's really an exciting, it's always an exciting time, time to be a Titans fan, but especially now as we have a lot of important decisions to make during a, a really cool time. The next time we talk, guys, it's going to be a different team. Some decisions going to be made. Really fun to be a Titans fan. What's great is we're relevant. We're right in the middle of the biggest conversations. It's going to be a lot of fun. My thanks to John, to Landon. Thank you guys for listening. We've asked you guys before and gotten just a lot of positive from this uh, Share this with somebody that you know loves the Titans and would love this conversation. We've gotten great feedback from this and appreciation for this. We have a great time doing this. We're all best friends and we just enjoy talking to each other. We would definitely be having this conversation anyway, whether we're doing it into a microphone or not. But share this with somebody. And if uh, that's somebody that's in your life that's a big Titans fan, doesn't really know how to do podcasts, show. Really appreciate everybody that listens to us. And we will see you in a few days. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.